the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Wow, a very blessed morning to you once again. Always a joy and a delight to share fellowship with you through this medium. Excel service is one of the services I'm most excited about because I like to see you succeed and fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. Thank you so much for joining us today as always. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Lord, we thank you this morning. Thank you for this is a day you have made and we rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for the precious gift of life. As we get into fellowship in your word, bring us understanding, equip us, empower us, position us for a life of all-round excellence. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. As we behold you in your word, we are edified and equipped and empowered for all-round success. In Jesus' precious name. Well, we've been studying on gifted for success. You are truly gifted for success. In fact, you can even add, I am super gifted for success. Proverbs 18, 16, God's word tells us, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift, your gift, my gift, makes room for me and for you and brings you before great men. We said we are all gifted for success. There is no man or woman made by God without a gift. All of us were created with unique giftings and abilities. And we, we, God expects us to release them to fulfill destiny and to bless humanity. We said there are four key things when it comes to succeeding with our gift. Number one, we have to recognize that we are gifted. We have to refine the gift that we have recognized. We have to release the gift. And presently, we are on the releasing the gift. I want you to come with me to our anchor text, which we've been reading virtually almost every week. Matthew 25, verse 14 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servant and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with it and made another five talents. Let's go to 24 because that is our focus, 24 to 30. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard one, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own weight interest. God is interested in interest. So take the talent from him and give it to he who has ten talent. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, 
even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Obviously, this shows us the master of the servant was angry, angry about the way the man with a single talent handled his talent. We have established already that there are three common ways everybody is likely to relate to his gift. One, you're either going to use your gift, you're either going to neglect your gift, or you're going to bury your gift. There are people, they don't bury their gift, but they simply neglect it. They don't give it attention. They don't harness the gift. They don't develop the gift. So they know they are gifted, but they don't develop it. So they neglect it. And there are those who know they are gifted, like the one talent man, they pick their talent, and then they go and bury it. And we started exploring reasons why people bury their gift. We've already looked at why you must release your gift, but we also need to understand common reasons why many people bury their gift. Last week, I said I was going to do 13. This week, while uh, driving somewhere with uh, Pastor Sami and in a conversation, the Holy Ghost dropped another one. And then this morning, before I came your way, he drew my attention to yet another one. So now we are looking at 15 of them. We've done six already, and so we'll just jump in right away. The one talent man, the man was angry, and legitimately so. Why? Because you don't bury a, a talent that is worth $2,000. That is the, the modern-day value of the talent that was given. $2,000 is good money to bury that kind of money. Something must be wrong with you. It can buy an Uber car or buy something for somebody to trade with. So he buried it, and the man was angry. He said, at least the least you could have done is to keep it in the bank, and I would have received my own with interest. Why then do people bury their gift? Why is it that many people bury their gift and never release it to either bless humanity or to glorify God? Number one, we said they bury their gift because they are ignorant about their gift. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When you don't know you are gifted, you will never develop it and you will never deploy it. Number two, we said people bury their gift because they underestimate the power of their gift. And I want you to understand your gift is powerful. Your gift is so important, you cannot afford to neglect or bury the gift. It has capacity to make room for you. It has capacity to bring you to prominence. It has capacity to prosper you and make you live a meaningful life on earth. Why bury such a precious asset? The Bible says a gift is like a precious stone in the eyes of him that has it. And whithersoever he tended it, a prosperity. Number three, we said people bury their gift because they are selfish. They don't think about others. The five-talent man went and traded with someone. The two-talent man went and traded with someone. But the one-talent man decided to keep it all to himself. He will not benefit from it and he will not allow others to benefit from it. The Bible said there is that that scattered and yet increased. There is that withhold more than meat by tender to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. When you are generous with your gift, what you see, what God will do is that he will make sure that your gift will continue to bless many more people. He begins to help you to discover gifts that were already in you but were latent. He begins to stir them up and you begin to see that more other gifts will begin to come alive in you. Then number four, we said that because they compare themselves 
with others. They compare themselves or their gifts with others. I'm sure one of the reasons why the one talent man must have neglected his gift because he looked at his own, one has two, one has five, and you just have one. I mean, the man must not have confidence in you. The man really did not trust you much or he has underestimated your ability. So I'm sure in anger and in annoyance, he decided this man, I will show him. So he picked it and buried it. Then number five, we said, people bury their gift because they are unwilling to start small in the use of their gift. Why is it that it's only the one with one talent that refused to use his gift? It's possible that he despised small things. The Bible says, who had despised the day of small things? Though thy beginning be small, your latter end shall greatly increase. Joseph started serving as a houseboy. He became a prison warder, and then all the way, he became a prime minister. I see you rise as you learn to steward your gift faithfully in that small phase. And then number six, where we ended, because they are simply ungrateful to the giver of the gift. When God gives you a gift, you demonstrate your gratitude. One way you demonstrate gratitude to God for the gift he's given you is when you deploy the gift to honor him and to bless other people. That's one of the ways. One important way we honor God is when we use, the Bible says, whatsoever we do, whether we eat or we drink, we should do all in honor of the Lord. So one way we honor God is when we use the gift and the abilities he's given us to advance his cause and to bless human beings who are made in his image. I see you use your gift. Today we want to continue number seven. Number seven. The seventh reason why. Many people bury their gift and never release it. It's because if they are willing to accept responsibility for their lives and for their gifts. You must understand that God has gifted you, but it takes responsibility to release, to, re to, to re recognize, refine, and release your gift. All of these, God gave you the gift, but God will not recognize the gift for you. You have to engage the things we talked about in part two and then use it to be able to discover and locate the gift. The gift is already there. There are pointers, there are things that you can use to indicators that will help you to know this is my area of gifting. And once you recognize it, it's your responsibility again, also in partnership with God, to refine the gift. And then it becomes your responsibility to release it. It's your choice to either bury the gift or release it. The one talent man, look at what he said. He said, he who received one talent came forward saying, Master, I need you to be a hard man. Look at that. Look at a statement of gross irresponsibility. The man gave you a gift. You didn't pray for it. You didn't labor for it. He just gifted it to you. Go trade with it. Make money with it. Prosper with it. And he comes back accusing such a man. Look at that. Look at that. Amazing. This guy had set audacity, audacity in the wrong way, audacity in doing foolish things, audacity in insulting people who should not be insulted. He came back, he said, I know you are a hard man. What has his hardness got to do with the gift he gave you? He's a hard man, yes. But the five people who traded with it also know him as a hard man, if he was really at all. The two talent man also traded with his gift, knowing probably he was a hard man. So he had no excuse. Sometimes people make flimsy and foolish excuse for not using their gift. You shall not be part of such people. Others prefer to blame others instead of accepting responsibility. You know, the oldest game in life is a blame game. 
It did not start with you. It started with Adam. When God asked him, where are you? Why did you eat what I told you not to eat? He said, the woman you gave me. And there are people who lived all their lives blaming other people. They blame the fact that they were born into a poor family. They blame the fact that they didn't go to school. They blame the fact that they didn't have that. They didn't have that. They didn't have that. Listen, nobody is born with everything, but everybody can make use of their life and live an impactful and purposeful life. You will never have everything in order to live a life of impact. But you have to make use of what you have. Harness it and release it. There's treasure in you. It's your responsibility to unleash that treasure. It's your responsibility to bring it out. And I see the grace of God come upon you to do that. There was one man who is accepting responsibility and lame his destiny. A wise man said, the easiest way to lame your destiny is to blame others for where you are. When you blame others, you lame your destiny. That's what happened to the man at the pool of Bethsaida. For 38 years, he sat there looking for man. Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? He said, I have no one to help me into the pool. Now, let me tell you, if you go through life looking for someone to come and make you well or make you succeed, you will never succeed and you will never amount to anything worthwhile in life. If all you go through life looking for is someone to make you, someone to make you, God never said that someone will make you. He said you will make yourself. In the success equation, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law must not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you would have good success. So you see, there is nothing that has got to do with anybody at all. And if you are born again, Christ in you, the hope of glory, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why you should never look to anybody outside. Look to God and look to yourself. And there will be no limit to what you can do. I see God empower you and equip you for greater exploits in life. If you believe it, type, I believe, I manifest. Number eight, they allow fear to control and dominate their lives. They allow fear. People bury their gift and never release it because they allow fear to control and dominate their life. Look at what the Bible says of the one talent man. Verse 24 to 25. Then he would receive one talent came and said, I need you to be a hard man, reap you where you have no sown and gather where you have no scattered seed. And I was, verse 25, I was afraid. I was afraid. And hid your talent in the ground. Look, what is yours? I was afraid. Now listen, when you see people excel in using their gift, never you think that they are never afraid. They do it. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is facing your fear squarely. And as you come face to face with your fear, you see that as you are coming, your fear is also running away. What you are afraid is also afraid of you. So it's important that people who use their gift and excel in it, it's not because they are not afraid. Now it's always a certain sense of nervousness, a certain sense. As a preacher, before I come to the altar, I constantly need to depend on the Holy Ghost because I can't tell how things are going to be. I'm prepared, all right, but I still need the help of the Holy Ghost. The things that makes me afraid makes me dependent on the Holy Ghost. And many people bury their gift because they are afraid. They are afraid of what people will say if they fail in using their gift. They are afraid if they are to lead music 
if they are to lead a particular song, they are unwilling to develop that part of their musical talent because they are afraid maybe if they lead the song and they miss a key, the people will laugh at them. The fear of mockery, the fear of starting small, the fear of failure, all of these many fears keep people away from releasing their gift. Look at what the Bible talks about. Fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 to 7. Many great gifts and talents have been buried and wasted because of fear. And that is why I come to you through this media in the name of Jesus. I cast away every spirit of fear out of your heart. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of boldness, of power, and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 to 7. The Bible says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is indeed by the putting on of my hands. Then verse 7, stir it up. Stir it up. Verse 7, he says, for God had not given us the spirit of fear. In other words, what can prevent you from stirring up your gift is fear. And he says, God has not given it to you. There are things God gave you. He gave you gifts. He gave you abilities. He gave you talent. Fear is not one of those he gave you. And so don't take something from Satan and add it to what God gave you. God didn't give you fear. And so fear must not rob you of your gift. From today, I declare that fear will not rob you of your gift. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I release faith. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I release faith into you to fully go ahead and manifest your gift in the name of Jesus. Number nine, the ninth reason why people fail to release your gift is because they are wicked. He said, but his Lord said unto him, after he gave all of those flimsy excuses, it's time for his master to speak. And the, the master gave us his observation and his analysis of who this gentleman was. Probably, I think, probably, that's why he gave him one talent. He knew he was a lazy guy. So if he gave him five talents, he was going to waste it. So he said, you are wicked. Because he's a generous man, he needed to give him something anyway. So he gave him just one because he knew he was wicked. He was not going to make it available for others to enjoy. Let me tell you something. Whatever God gives to you, if you decide to hold it, it makes you a wicked person. Because there is nothing God gave you that is only for you. No. Nothing God gave you is designed for you and you alone. He told Abraham, right from Genesis, of whose seed we are, he said, and they that are of faith are blessed of faithful Abraham. We are heirs of Christ and joint heirs with Christ. We are the seed of Abraham. Look at Abraham, what God said of Abraham from the beginning. He said, I will bless thee and in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In other words, whatever God gift, whatever gift and potential God has placed in you is designed so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. If you are blessed with teaching, all the nations of the earth must be blessed through you. If you are blessed with music, all the nations of the earth. If you are blessed with business, all the nations of the earth must be blessed through you. So when you decide that you are going to keep it to yourself, you are not going to make sure that others benefit and prosper from your gift. Hear me. This is God's verdict of you. You are wicked. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. He said, charge them that are rich in this world. Rich in what? Rich in gifts. Rich in abilities. Rich in potential. Charge them. 
that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So God gives us things to enjoy, but beyond enjoyment, he said that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, ready to distribute. You are a distributor. God expects you to be a distributor, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Willing to communicate. The word willing to communicate means willing to share. Are you willing to share your gift? Are you willing to share your knowledge? Are you willing to share your wealth? Very important. When you fail to share that which God has given you, or use it for others to benefit. It makes you a wicked person. And I know you don't want to be a wicked person. You don't want to be described as a wicked person, but your attitude makes you a wicked person. Your attitude when it comes to the use of your gift makes you a wicked person. Number 10. Number 10 says, they are lazy. People fail to use their gift because they are lazy. Matthew 25, verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew I reap where I'm not sown, and I gather where I'm not scattered seed. So he describes him with two words. One, he said, you are wicked. Two, you are lazy. You are lazy. You are lazy. Wicked people will not release their gift. They know they are gifted. Sometimes they can even refine the gift, but they will still not release it for others to enjoy. And then, number two, wicked people are also lazy. People who fail to use their gift are lazy. I want you to understand that it takes hard work to recognize, refine, and release your gift. It takes hard work. It takes hard work. You will not recognize and release your gift being lazy. It takes hard work. If you see someone who sings and is always on key, he ministers powerfully. The person is not lazy. If you see a keyboardist who excels at playing, he practices consistently. You can be given a song and you don't even listen to the song. You are in a choir, you give a song, you are given a song. From Monday, to, you don't listen to the song, you come to rehearse and you expect to excel in the gift. You lie back. You can never excel. You will always be a mediocre. That shall not be your testimony in the name of Jesus. It takes hard work. The Bible said, See thou a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before great men and not me men. Now, go back to your gift. Proverbs 18, 16, it said, A man's gift makes a way for him and brings him before great men. Again, Proverbs 26, it all talks about great men, great men. But one is your gift making way for you. The other is diligence with your gift bringing you into prominence. Do you want to stand before prominent people? Do you want to go far with your gift? Do you want to be impactful with your gift? Then let me tell you, you need to work hard. There's nobody who is outstanding in the use of his gift, who is lazy, who sleeps all night, and who plays all day. No, they are busy. They work over the night again and again. That's what it takes to unleash your gift. I pray that the grace to labor will rest upon you. Apostle Paul, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And that is the commonest denominator. You know, everybody is born again. And even those who are not born again have access to grace. The Bible said the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. So grace is available unto all. But some people receive and utilize grace much more than others do. And that's what sometimes brings distinction between people. Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10, I am what I am by the grace of God fundamentally. Then he says, but the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. He said, I labored more abundantly than they, yet not I, 
by the grace of God. That is where I caught a revelation that there is grace to labor. There is grace to labor. If you want to work hard, when you pray, pray for the grace to work hard. There is also grace to work hard. Sometimes you are tired, you are weary. But when that grace comes upon you, all of a sudden, weaknesses in the flesh will give way. He said there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty give him understanding. He said if the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he shall quicken your mortal body. He shall empower you to shake off every element of laziness and tiredness out of your body. And by the time you realize you are going for hours, you are going for two hours, and you, you don't seem to get tired, may that grace come upon someone in the name of Jesus. Number 11, they are unwilling to endure seasons of security in the use of their gifts. They are unwilling to endure long seasons of obscurity in the use of their gifts. This is number 11. They are unwilling. Now, if you read the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 80, the Bible said, So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert. So the day of his manifestation to Israel. This text talks about John the Baptist. He was born and there was a great prophecy over his life. He shall go in the power of Elijah. He shall turn the hearts of children to their fathers. He shall prepare a way before the Lord. Awesome prophecy. Awesome destiny. But this guy had to go through a process. It did not just happen overnight. He came with the gift, with the mandate to restore the hearts of children to fathers and to make way for the Messiah. But this gift and prophetic destiny will not be fulfilled without seasons of, of obscurity. So the Bible said, John the Baptist grew, became strong in spirit. The moment a person is growing and is becoming strong in spirit, the natural uh, thing you expect is that he will just uh, get into manifestation, begin to do all kinds of things, but not so with John the Baptist. The Bible said he grew, became strong in spirit. He wasn't weak in spirit. Sometimes when people are in obscurity, Satan whispers to them and makes them think that they are not gifted. You are gifted. You are strong in your gift, but your time of manifestation is simply not you. And please, I want you to understand that your gift has a season for manifestation. There's a season. The season where you prosper and what you do prosper it is when you are in your season. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is on the law of his God. And his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaves also shall not wither. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season. In his season. In his season. When your gift is in its season, you bring forth unusual fruit. People chase after your gift. John the Baptist endured a long season of obscurity. The Bible said he was in the desert until the day of his showing forth. Hear me. Your gift is designed to bring you to prominence, but it will not bring you to prominence overnight. No, it will never. Your gift, no matter how powerful, how unique, how strong your gift is, it will never bring you into prominence overnight. Because if it does, sometimes it may destroy you. Can you imagine if the man Joseph, his gift of interpreting dreams, had brought him into prominence not long after his brother sold him into Egypt. He had risen up to become a prime minister, maybe around 18, because he was sold around 17. And so let's say 21 thereabout. 
he had become a prime minister. Oh, I'm sure that his youthfulness would have made him go for his brothers and revenge on them big time. But no, a long time elapsed, 13 years, from the time he began to see dreams and visions and the time he became a king or a prime minister in Egypt, 13 long years elapsed. His character was refined. His gift had been super refined. He became a sober-minded person. He became a humble person. So he could have used his gift to take vengeance on his brothers. He said, I'm in the position of God. He had been metamorphosed into a new man, a unique personality altogether. John the Baptist was in the desert until the day of his showing forth. David used to play. Nobody was clapping for David when he was playing the harp for his sheep. Nobody was clapping. When he was chasing after, what do you call it, the lion and the bear, nobody gave him a trophy. But his gift was being harnessed in obscurity, obscurity, obscurity. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 4 to 5. When John the Baptist's gift came into full manifestation. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and prayed that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And look at this, verse 5. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see him and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the river Jordan. John did not change his position. His season changed. When your season changes, you may not have to change your position. But those who need your gift, they will flock to you. They will come to you where you are. If you are in that season of your life, I prophesy that multitudes will come after you in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. They are coming. 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 All of Judah, all of Jerusalem, they went to John in the wilderness. In the wilderness, the same place where nobody would want to hear about him, the same place where there was no social media account, there was nothing, nobody knew his ministry. But when the day of his manifestation came, one of the things Jesus, the Bible said, all of them went to him. I see multitudes come to you. Multitudes will flock to do business with you. Multitudes will flock to give you opportunities in the mighty name of Jesus. So keep on working on your gift until your season is due. And when your season is due, the best will come for it in the mighty name of Jesus. This is all time will allow us today and I look forward to finishing it up with you same time next week. I trust that you've been blessed. It's always a joy. It's always a delight to share fellowship with you through this medium. I'm excited you were able to make it and we look forward to having you join us same time next week. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We we'll look forward to having you. Join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. 
Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30am to 11am for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6pm to 8pm. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no.